Ladies and gentlemen, to those among you who are easily frightened, we suggest you turn away now. To those of you who think they can take it, we say, welcome to the madhouse. to the Madhouse Podcast, the podcast that's plagued with more issues than a goth girl at a Marilyn Manson concert. My name's Jimmy, and over there's Joey. What are you saying, big boy? <laughs> well, uh, oh, I'm, I'm excited, and now I'm, I'm so happy. You've topped the best intro that was last week, straight away by the next week. Topical. Topical jokes, yeah. Uh, satirical, almost. Yes. We're in there. Yeah, I thought so. I thought Playing nice. with the big boys, like anyone oh, yeah. at a Marilyn Manson concert. Yeah, come at me, Manson. He no, will. actually don't. <laughs> you will and you won't escape. <laughs> right, scary stories. Pleasant. Like who? It might, it might be pleasant. Yeah, for him. Scary stories to tell in the dark. Talking about Marilyn Manson. So... <laughs> Did you like the film? I think you'd watched it already when you chose it, hadn't you? Yes, I, I really liked the film. I was really excited to watch it when it, when it first came out. And it was good. I loved it. I thought it was really good. I didn't know what to expect. And I haven't read the books. Have you? No, I haven't read the books. I think the books, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that it's more of a, an American thing. I think it, that more Americans seem to read them more than... Uh, over here, I think. Yeah, I think they were um, based on old American folk tales from the US and Canada, uh, from some indigenous stories that were around before us lot went over there and made a mess of things. Lovely. I think the uh, the Wendigo comes from there, the most famous story from there, the Wendigo. Yeah. We had in the UK goosebumps. I don't know if that's something in the US. And I think yeah. this sounds like this is more a more grown-up, fairy tale type version of Goosebumps. I fucking love Goosebumps. I had all the books, because the front cover was a bit like that, wasn't it? It's bumpy. Yes. Yeah. Like the like wallpaper you get at your nan's house. Yeah. I found one of the books in uh, the attic a few weeks ago. My, one of my childhood Goosebump books. Oh, that's this is actually the start of a a kind of a PG thirteen horror film. <laughs> <laughs> you found a book in your attic. It's goosebumps. Yeah. Did it tell the story out? Did you and your kids go on an adventure? Was it slightly terrifying, but also kind of not because it was for kids? Yeah, it was. Ex- it was all those things in in perfectly uh, wrapped up story in the end, where everyone was happy, and it turned out the ghost was just needed a bit of help. I think mine would be I'd find a Jim will fix it annual in my attic and go on a terrible, terrible thing. It wouldn't be a yeah. it wouldn't be a PG thirteen anyway. You go and put that back in the attic when you're done on the horrible adventure and you go, Oh, what's that record? Oh Marilyn Manson, I haven't heard that for a while. 
No, it'd be uh, it'd be the jingle jangle jewelry man. <laughs> now then. <laughs> anyway, what are you drinking? I've got a lineup of ciders. I have. I like your new technique you seem to be doing of having two different drinks on because I've seen you drinking from two different glasses. Yeah, but they look like the same drink. Well, no, that's oh, cider. You got three glasses. So no, I've got two glasses. Oh, I'm okay. on the cider, and what I've got down here is a lovely little spiced rum and coke. Uh, you see, what's happened is I've seen you pick up the same glass twice. That would have done it. Yeah, I've just got ciders, but I've got four cans lined up so I don't have to move. <laughs> yeah, it's always good. Yeah. Um, Are you ready for a plot slot? Yeah, I am. Good. Yes, I am. I think I am. Are you sure you am? Uh, Yeah, I am. I think we can do it. <laughs> I think we could do it in 10. I think we can fire through it. It's a bit wordy, but I think we'll be all right. You're sneezing. <laughs> trying not to. I'm trying to be professional. Oh. But I don't know why at this stage. <laughs> okay. yeah. what, what podcast do you think you're on? I don't know. We should be on the BBC. We'd... Yeah, we wouldn't last. It'd be a fun Big black cocks. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that's why we wouldn't last 10 minutes. <laughs> I've never lasted 10 minutes with big black cocks anyway. Oh dear. Anyway. Why does this happen? Edit that out. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> right. You start with your first paragraph and I'm starting the 10 minutes. Okay. 1968 is Halloween in town of Mill Valley. A young man named Ramon drives into town. Nearby, horror fan Stella is called by her mates Chuck and Augie to play a prank on a school douchebag called Tommy. The jock in his hang-ons are throwing beer bottles at a neighbourhood scarecrow called Harold. Tommy also decides to take a swing at Harold with his back because he's a big man. Chuck fishes a turd out of the <laughs> toilet and meets with his friends to throw it at Tommy's car while he's out with Chuck's sister Ruthie and his buddies. Tommy ends up driving his car into a fence. He and his friends chase after the kids who run to a drive-in and hide in Ramon's car. The buddies drive them and threaten them into getting out, including Ramon. However, they are driven out of there by security, but not before Tommy makes a dickhead comment to Stella about her mum walking out on her and her father. After the jerks leave, Stella takes a breath outside before inviting Ramon to join them in checking out a haunted house. The four go to the home of Sarah Bellows, a figure in an old legend about a disturbed woman who allegedly poisoned children in the neighbourhood. The kids enter after... Fuck, sorry, I've just hit myself in the face. The kids enter after Ramon picks the locks on the door. Augie and Chuck mess around to scare each other, but Chuck ends up hiding in a closet where he sees the old room turn refurbished and what appears to be an old woman with a dog sitting by the bed. Augie opens the door to scare Chuck and everything looks old again. Meanwhile, Stella and Ramon find Sarah's old book of scary stories. They're then tracked down there by Tommy and his jerk-off squad. Ruth tells Tommy to let them out, but he locks her in there too. After trying to break out, an unseen force lets them free. They go outside to find that Ramon's car was vandalised by Tommy. 
with the word wet whack written on it. Ramon must take it to the shop. <laughs> and since he was living in his car, he has nowhere to go. So Stella invites him to come over and stay in her, in her basement. Euphemism there. <laughs> Tommy drives home drunk and is ordered by his mother to deliver eggs to the neighbours, as you do. On his way... He comes across Harold and taunts him again. At the same time, Stella reads from Sarah's book and sees the story Harold appearing. As she reads it, she notices that it mentions Tommy. He ends up walking in a circle and sees that Harold is no longer on his pike. Tommy soon realises he's being followed by Harold. He trips across a rake, comedy, and uses it to try and mm -hmm. stop Harold. But the scarecrow takes it from him and impales Tommy with it. As Tommy tries running away, his body starts to fill up with straw. I've got an interesting thing to say about that later, anyway. In the morning, Ramon brings his car to the shop, but he is pressed by Chief Turner over his appearance in town. They don't like new yeah. people in this town, apparently. Yes. When he sees what Tommy wrote, Turner questions him over the supposed fight he got into with him. Ramon mentions his last name being Rodriguez. And Turner implies he will investigate him. Yeah, how dare you come to our town and have your car vandalised? Yeah, it's proper like, because Rambo got that attitude as well. He did. And we all know what happened there. Yeah, six films. Is it six? Yeah. yeah. When Stella returns so. home with... Really good. What was... <laughs> The last film was really good. Last Blood was really good. Yeah, it was, actually, yeah. I, yeah. Like, I liked the 2008 Rambo as well. That was probably one of the best. Yeah. All right. We'll talk about that in another episode, shall we? All right, yeah. <laughs> when Stella returns home with Ramon, he finds Sarah's book back on Stella's bookshelf. A new story then begins to appear, The Big Toe. This one features Augie's name, and it involves him eating a stew containing an containing an appendage and a disembodied voice calling out who took my toe stella calls augie to warn him but he ends up eating the stew and the big toe woman starts stalking him augie runs to hide in his room under his bed but as he thinks he is safe big toe pulls him under the bed and reveals a hideous face before making him disappear stella and ramon show up too late and see the claw marks under augie's bed to have their fears confirmed Stella tells Chuck and Ruth that Augie is gone and it's because of the book. Chuck suggests they take it to the police, but Ramon doesn't want to get involved with them since they might think he has something to do with both Augie and Tommy's disappearance. As there is now a search party going on for the, for the latter. The trio try to burn the book, but it doesn't work. The friends go to the Mill Valley Gazette to dig up an, any old information on Sarah. They find articles about a woman named Lulu Baptiste who works for the Bellows family but was fired after Sarah hung herself and it was believed that Lulu was teaching Sarah black magic. The book then starts to write another story, The Red Spot. This one is about Ruthie who gets bitten by a spider while trapped in the Bellows house. She is set to go on stage for a performance, but the spider bite on her cheek starts to get worse. She goes to the bathroom to check on it and hears a voice calling her name. A spider leg then pokes out of Ruth's cheek before a whole swarm of spiders start crawling out and biting her. Stella, Chuck and Ramon run to the school in time to catch Ruth and throw water on her to repel the spiders. The friends track down the now elderly and blind Lulu to ask what happened. She don't know. She can't see. Oh, 
with her and Sarah, hoping to find a way to undo what has been going on. She says there was no magic involved, but the presence of the book overwhelms Lulu. The trio heads to the hospital to find records of the Bellows family. Chuck mentions having a dream about seeing a pale woman in a red room and telling him that was a brothel. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> this is an evil place. Run while you still can. The kids sneak in and head to find whatever documents they can. Stella and Ramon come across a room with old recordings from Sarah as she received electroshock treatment from her brother, Ephraim. Some cool names in this film. They hear the voice yeah, yeah, of Sarah, yeah. who, as it turned out, was innocent and never poisoned the children, but it was her family's fault for tainting the water supply, and they tortured her and framed her to cover up their secrets. She then appears to be reading the new story being written, The Dream. Orderlies find Chuck as he snuck in, and the alarm goes off, making everything go red. He then sees the pale lady, who appears grotesquely overweight, and has a horrifying grin etched on her face. No matter where Chuck runs, the pale lady keeps coming closer and closer as he cannot escape and she absorbs Chuck. Stella and Ramon find out too late that he is gone and they are kicked out of the hospital. Second time they were too late. There's a theme there. Stella calls her father from the Nick. She fears that she's going to, to die because of the book. Turner, the copper, then him interrogate Stella and Ramon about the disappearances of their friends. They try to explain that it's because of the book, but it's too far-fetched for Turner to believe. He also brings up that he's found out that Ramon has dodged the draft. So Ramon has to explain to Stella that his brother was drafted to Vietnam and was killed out there. So he got away uh, so, he didn't have to, oh, so he didn't have to be uh, drafted. Soon, the next story is being written and a monster called the Jangly Man emerges. He breaks Turner's neck and tosses his body towards Stella's cell. She gets the keys, but the Jangly Man attempts to get Ramon since his name was in the book and he knows of the Jangly Man from an old story his father told him. Stella frees them both from the cell and they realise they must run to the Bellow House to put an end to this. Jangly Man chases after Ramon as he takes the cop car, but Ramon manages to lose him by crashing the car and pinning Jangly Man to a train. Stella and Ramon run to the Bellows house where they get separated as Jangly Man goes for Ramon. Stella is pulled into another room by the ghost of the Bellows family. She comes face to face with Sarah's ghost, who is getting ready to trap Stella in her own story. However, Stella hears Ramon's voice telling her to tell Sarah the truth. Stella stands up to the ghost and says that she knows that her family killed the children and framed her, but she is becoming as big as a monster as they were by haunting and taking her friends. Stella promises Sarah that she will tell the truth about her. Sarah gives Stella a quill and tells her to write Sarah's story in her own blood, because that's nice. Stella writes the truth and Sarah's ghost wails before crossing over. The jangly man goes down as the terror appears to stop. Stella and Ramon run to embrace each other. Happy ending time. Later on, Ramon willingly goes to be drafted in Vietnam. He says farewell to Stella, who gives him a letter and promises to write him. He reads it on the bus and it's, ah, it's a letter from, from uh, her asking him to come home soon. We run out of time with one little paragraph left to go. Ah! Stella writes the story in the school paper about the truth over the Bellas family history while not many people are listening. She is determined to let her real story be known. She then goes with Roy 
and the recovered Ruth, and they plan to use Sarah's book to find a way to bring back Augie and Chuck Q sequel. Yes, I think there is going to be a second one. It would be good. Uh, we were about 20 seconds over 10 minutes there, so... Ah, that's not shabby. Now we've done it pretty pretty tight the last few uh, episodes. Yeah, I know, that was a bit of a long one. I tried to keep cutting it down, but I couldn't get any... That's right, it all made sense. Than, uh, I liked it. Two pages. Never again shall we live through the Dr. Thebes. <laughs> Plot I plot. beg your pardon. Dr. Fives. Dr. Fives. You know, I, I <laughs> thought about Fox. how to pronounce that then, and I got it wrong. Fuck, have we done that film, have we? Yeah. Shit. It has the longest plot slot in the history of anyone telling a story. Oh, Jesus Christ, I forgot we did it. That's all the booze for you, isn't it? <sighs> Talking about losing memories because of alcohol, shall we move on to Frights and Delights? Yeah! Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> Right, let's line them up. Some of them nasty, some of them nice. It's Frights and Delights. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you look disappointed with yourself on that booyah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know. I'd I don't stick know what with I did it. No, stick with it. <laughs> it worked fine. Uh, right, okay. some of the original stories from the Scary Stories series can be seen when Stella is looking through Sarah's books, including The Cat's Paw, The Attic, and The Wendigo, which we talked about earlier. That's my first one. Yeah, that's nice. The books were by Alvin Schwartz. Yeah, and some famous illustrations. They were famous for the stories and the illustrations, I think. it's uh, It was published in the 1980s, the book series Scary Stories Tell in the Dark. Written by Alvin Schwartz, as you said, and illustrated by Stephen Gammel. The, oh, I just uh, really want some gammon all of a sudden, then. I... A little hankering for something. Some or something. <laughs> Shall I wait here? Where are you going? Going? I ain't got any. I ain't got any in. Oh, okay. Shame, isn't it? Yep. So, uh, what you got, Jimmy? <laughs> Frights and delights. You haven't got any gammon. Um, Have you got anything for us here? I got. A, well, I don't know if it's uh Actually, it's probably a, it's probably a fright if you think about it. I just wanted to touch on the story Harold, yep. the scarecrow. Okay. Uh, and when he uh he sticks. He sticks old Tommy with the uh, rake right through the door. Yes. And he starts uh, spewing, like, straw starts coming out of his mouth. Yeah, horrendous way like, to die. Throwing up. Yeah, oh, that's going to be horrible, isn't it? And it comes out of his ears. Yeah. Where else is it coming out of, boy? That's the thing. That's what I want to know. If it's coming out, it's coming <laughs> out of your mouth, nose and ears, it's got to be coming out your bum hole, isn't it? Let's, let's just call a spade a spade. It's got to be coming out of your bum hole. So that's itchy ass to the next level. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Also, we're forgetting about the little fella at the front. Ow. Yeah, so there's obviously straw coming out of his little uh, little chap. Did you say this was a well. delight? What? Did you say this was a delight? No, I said it was a little bit of a fright. Oh. I think. Just thinking that. about it. Because... Obviously, you, he's got all the straw coming out of the orifices on the face. Yeah. There's obviously a couple more down there. That I, I would like to explore. I t- not that I'd like to explore. <laughs> I think you would. <laughs> but 
do you know what I mean? There's gonna there's straw obviously coming out. So straw's got to be coming. Out. Let's just put the straw's got to be coming out the dick. Straw's coming out the ass. It's got it's got to be a horrible way to go. Yeah, it's not going to be a nice way to die. It's going to be horrible. And then and then you can probably feel it stretching through uh, literally every part of your body. It's not a nice way to go. I don't think there's much chance of it catching. Well, are you sure? Yeah. Because <laughs> I never thought we'd uh, all have to spend a, a year inside our houses. But, you know, that's what we're doing. I still don't think we're going to end up with straw coming out of our asses. Not unless we eat straw or put straw up our asses. Why? You never know. Crazy world we're living in. Yeah. Um, I liked Jangly Man. He's one of my delights. The monster called Jangly Man. In Hindi, the word jangly means wild, so he is the wild man. Or that could just be coincidence, and he's the jangly man because he's all, you know, jangly and shit. Yeah, played by uh, Troy, Troy James. I don't know. You might have to check that. Might have to check that. But he was on America's Got Talent or America's X Factor thing. Yeah, America's Got Talent, yeah. Yeah, I had a look at some of his pictures before we went on, and fuck me. So good. It's creepy as fuck. Really? Yeah, it's creepy. Literally all that shit. Absolutely amazing. Can you imagine it's being born like with a talent like that, and he could be in horror films? That'd be fun. Right, I guess to suck his own dick, I suppose. Is that right? Whoa. Someone's got to. Oh. No. Yeah. So in the books, there's a, so- a story called The Hearst Song. <laughs> Uh, that's also the name of the theme that plays throughout the whole film. That's uh, that's a fact I found. I liked how each character had their own personal tailored attack. So Stella has a fear of not fitting in and being alone and ends up being trapped like Sarah Bellows in the same place Sarah was trapped alone. Ramon avoided the Vietnam War and he was worried about uh, people thinking he was a coward and the jangly man chasing him is calling him a coward. Chuck said he had nightmares about a red room and ends up in the red room with the pale lady. And Tommy hates the scarecrow and is scared of the scarecrow. And that ends up killing him. Augie always bangs on about food and its content and then he eats a thumb. Really? Is that all Augie had? He was just always banging on about food? Yeah. Also, no, he's on the phone to his mum. And he's like, oh, you've got no food in. Oh, I'll just eat the stew. What's she playing at? Why isn't she going, no, I haven't left you any stew? She did. Well, was... well, what's he eating it for then? He says, oh, well, the stew in the fridge. And she... and then his next response is, well, somebody's cooked it. So she's obviously said, I haven't made a stew. They'll be eating random fucking stew, especially if it's got meat in it. No. Nope. You don't know what meat is. Obviously, this guy got fucked. Eating a toe. No one wants to eat a toe. Except people who like to eat toes. Foot fetish and shit. You know, sucking on the toe. Yeah. Straw coming out of toe. Ooh, under the nail. Ooh. I am going to have to stop a sec because i got a dog whining at the door. Okay. i got to take him out for a piss. Okay. I'll edit it seamlessly through when they cut. Okay. Boom, that was refreshing. I've got a little fright and a delight. Okay. The scene where they go to the drive-in where they have Night of the Living Dead playing that doesn't match what the pictures are showing. Yeah, yeah. That's a fright. 
but yeah, forget all that. I don't know about you. How many? I think Night of the Living Dead has featured. I don't know if I've said this before. Probably have. Night of the Living Dead, I think, has featured in more films than Samuel L. Jackson. Maybe. It's in the background. It's in the background of every fucking horror film and every fucking series you get at the minute. Yeah. Honestly. Go to, isn't it, all the time? Lovely. I want to count it up. I think I want to go back in life and count it up because I've I've lost count at the minute, but there's fucking tons. Seriously. That deserves an Oscar. The film it should be Samuel L. Jackson up there in second place. Yeah. Night of the Living Dead first place for number of appearances. Films? Yeah. How about yeah, we just ask uh, any listeners that know what film they see Night of the Living Dead in to email in and we can compile a list. All of our listeners, so Barry and Scunthorpe and Dave in uh, Rotherham, both of you. Terry. <laughs> Terry, we've got three now. Terry and Swindon. Go on, Tessa. <laughs> big lads. Go on, big lads. Right, should we move on to the next little uh, little morsel before your dog does another shit? Yeah, I was going to say, I should I should say that <laughs> my dog, uh, as you may have heard, I think we're going to leave a transition in where I say I have to take my dog out for a piss because I've got a puppy. Well, he, he shat on the grass and then rolled in it. So I've, Jimmy's been sitting here for about half an hour when I go and give the dog a bath. That's my fright. That's actually, uh, this is actually code. We're actually together in the same house. And what I actually did was shit on Joe's lawn and rolled in it. And he's yeah. got to give me a bath. <laughs> and uh, I call you Billy when you're in pet dog mode. Yes, Billy. <laughs> Billy's got a little willy. <laughs> right, let's move on to the next slot. Yep. So that was a pretty macabre thought I think you did there just, Jimmy. But I don't think it okay. was the master of macabre. <laughs> For that, we need to go to our next section called Master, master. of the Macabre. Welcome to the Master of the Macabre. We are going to choose our favourite actor or actress off the shelf and tell our favourite little story about them and their performance in Scary Stories to Turn in the Dark. Who are you going to go for, Jimmy, in your best performance? In this film? Uh, I've got two. Okay. Um, it's not your classic uh, vocal actors or, yeah, actors or actresses. They ain't got real dialogue. Okay. So I've got... Well, fuck it. I'm just going to throw it out there. I've got Mark Steiger, who did uh, Harold and the Pale Lady. Okay. Oh, also, Troy, Troy James, who played the uh, Jangly Man. I've got. Oh, Jangly Man. I've got Jangly Man. There was no toupee or anything crazy to give it to. Jangly Man is uh, like a tar man for me in this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Return, Return of the Living Dead. Dead. He reminded me of him a lot. Not in any real way, <laughs> except the fact he was done well. It was an actor doing it. Brilliant practical effects and uh, kind of an iconic look. Yeah, maybe I'm being harsh, but I don't like the actual actors in it who are playing people. Other than Dean Norris, who um, played Roy Nichols. Uh, is that uh, Hank Stella's from dad. Breaking Bad? 
Uh, yes, and he's in uh, Stephen King's Under the Dome. Yeah, I really like uh, him. He's the dad whose wife had left, wasn't it? Yeah. I like him. I liked him. He was good. I didn't like uh, Austin Abrams, who played Tommy Milner. Maybe that's just... Actually, he played it quite well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he's still got that face, though, and he's still got to live with that face. So he's always going to have that Weasley-looking fucking face. Yeah. Zoe Margaret Coletti was good. Leading lady. Yeah, she's quite good. But if you disjoint your bones and walk backwards down a chimney like Jangly Man, then... Uh... Yeah, I like, to, I like to give it to the the two guys that... Uh... Oh, and Cavia, um, who played uh, Big Toe Corpse. Okay, because it's the it's the more practical effect that they're doing. So these people are actually playing it. It's not CGI. Yeah, there's actors in there, and you can see it's the actors, and that they're doing it. Yep. So should we give it a blanket Master of the Macabre medal to all the practical effect monster reactors? Yeah, I say we give it Mark Steiger have a butat. Uh, Troy James across the board you're all podium winners Harold the Scarecrow, Pale Lady, Big Talk Big big Toe Corpse Jangling Man Jangling Man oh, Jangling Man Jangling Man sounds like a Morris dancer I should have what? Yeah, you shouldn't have left me for half an hour <laughs> You've just been coming up with writing down, uh, writing down crazy shit to say no, I've just, just been crazy. drinking a lot of rum. Oh, okay. <laughs> At least you were enjoying yourself. I was wondering, I was running around going, Jimmy's been waiting for me on a Zoom call for like half an hour. And I'm cleaning up shit. <laughs> he doesn't even know what's going on. <laughs> right. And I can hear you, the, by the uh... way, through my headphones, singing to yourself. As I'll, every time I went past the laptop, I could hear my headphones doing... Uh, I, can't, I couldn't tell what song you were singing. It sounded nice, though. Thanks. Right, should we give it to the practical monster actors then? Yes. Across the board. Yep. Nice. Right, let's split that split that trophy down the middle. We'll send it upward. Yeah, are you gonna you're oh, gonna God. send that right, yeah? Because it's your job to send all the medals, isn't it? So uh I, yeah, I it trust is. you've been doing doing that fine and you're gonna do it fine this time. All those Yeah, I'll do it fine, do it fine all medals the time. Do it fine all the time. Oh, yeah. That's what they call me. Jimmy Fine. Jimmy Fine. Like wine. Does it all the time. I thought they called you Jimmy Two Pints. They do. And that's why I'm like this. <laughs> <laughs> Never did really find out why it was Jimmy Two Pints. So I always had two pints in me hand, did it? Oh, was that it? Yeah, because I was carrying two pints around. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, that's good. Better, better, one of the better ways to get a nickname in life. <laughs> If it was Jimmy Shitty Pants or Jimmy Skidmark, then uh, that wouldn't be such a cool story. <laughs> Shall we move on to the Madhouse rating system? Yeah, let's move it on. The Madhouse rating system. Ladies and gentlemen, it's 1968. It's not, but fuck it. Don't know what I did there. Smart Alf Rating System! First up, we've got Tension and Suspense. 
Well, the tension's brilliant. The idea that these kids can read these stories as they're being written really adds to that build-up of suspense during each attack. The fact they are trying to guess who the story is about so they can rush and save the right person. It's all done incredibly well. Keeps you guessing and on the edge of your seat. The uh, Harold the Scarecrow scene where Tommy essentially being freaked out and lost in a cornfield while that Wizard of Oz reject hunting him down is pretty awesome. I like that. Yeah. Um, there's lots of chase scenes like that. Jankly man in the uh, in the prison cell, jail cell. Jankly man. Jingly jangly man. Uh, what did you reckon? Tension and suspense. I I, I would give it one. <laughs> Always. Um, uh, tension and suspense. I don't think I would give it one. Really? It's nice. It's you know, yeah. I don't think it's ten. I don't think there's a lot of tension. I don't think there's a lot of oh, a suspense. It's more of a what the way I see this film is. It's kind of a. Um, uh, it's a it's a fun film. Right, I, it's very difficult to describe. It's fun. Right? It's, yeah. <laughs> it's kids, they found a book. Okay, all good. Oh, oh, it's right in, in the book. Oh, it's not like a serial killer's got actually coming after you and killing you. It's not Richard Ramirez or anything. But you didn't think there was any, like, tension when he was being chased through a cornfield and you didn't know when it was going to happen? Or when there was not really. I just thought, hurry up and face. kill this prick. No, I just thought, hurry up and kill this prick. All right, well, we'll, we'll go half a point then. Yeah, half a point. Like it's not like whoa, it's not it's not giving me the full tension as like, I don't know, some of the other films, films would. <laughs> like Halloween. Left you alone for half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, this is a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> the ha- last half of this part like I started this podcast thinking, ah oh, fuck, I've got some really good things to say on this. And now I've fucking forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> the rum's taken over. <laughs> that's your fault. <laughs> yeah, that's Half that, a that's star. Fair. Let's just give it half a star. Half a star. What's next? Um, it's a big image. Yeah. Gore and visual effects. Yeah. Well, I, I liked the gore and visual effects. I thought the practical effects were done well throughout most of the film. And the parts where CGI was used, it was uh, used well. Not even noticeable for the most part, which is the way it should be used. The jangly man, I loved. thought it was insane. Crooked, dismembered, broken body that's just relentlessly going for the kill. I think it looked fantastic in that haunt you forever kind of way. Like Tarman, like I said earlier, just sticks with you. There's a reason people remember Tarman. Uh, the Scarecrow was perfect and visually uh, it apparently matched the artwork in the books extremely well. I always like it when they stick to the source material pretty well. Except they 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 got rid of his belly. Okay. He had a be- uh, the drawing uh, of the original one had a little bit of a punchy belly. Yeah, well, you see what happened, Jimmy, is that it, it built up in his stomach so much that it it had the pressure built up and it it all came all the straw came out his ass. <laughs> so uh, that's that's the later version we're seeing in the film after that pressure build up in the release. 
Um, I would recommend this film to anyone who loves that well-done practical effect monster style of film, especially if you like the disjointed from reality type feeling that some of the monsters have in this film. Uh, I think the visual effects are on par with some of the best. But the worst yeah, bit of gore... Del- it- Sorry, carry on. That's right, you go. No, carry on. Just finish what you're saying. Saying the worst bit of gore is Augie putting a fucking toe in his mouth. <laughs> That's the bit made me cringe the most. Oh, no. Oh, oh, okay. That's the bit that makes you cringe, mate. Oh, yeah, toe. Just, that... uh, the way he put it in as well was like, oh, good. A really big piece of sausage. I'm going to put this sausage. All in it. And then yeah, suck sausage. the sauce off it and then realise this feels a bit weird. Take it out and have a look. And it's a manky toe. Yeah, I don't normally suck a sausage. In my, if I'm having a sausage casserole, I don't normally go, oh. Lovely bit of sausage. Yeah. Suck the juice off. He did put it off. in a bit strangely, yeah. Uh, I never really that considered wasn't... how I eat a sausage. I'll have to put some thought into it. <laughs> Let's do that. That's not that's not the bit that makes me cringe the most. The, the, the one that makes me is with the roof and a horrible spot on her face. Yeah. And that bit, I hate that. I hate anything to do with spots and shit. Yeah. And she's pulling it. And then the little... Uh, Leg comes, the little spider leg comes out of a massive bulging cheek. Oh, fuck that. Oh, can't deal with that. Yeah, that was bad. Horrible. Especially when there are things in the real world that <laughs> kind of embed in your skin and plant eggs in there. Well, anyway, the fucking pale lady. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Wonderfully done. Absolutely so like it's something out of uh it looks like it could come straight out of studio ghibli like it could just be a cartoon i love a little little face on a big fat head yeah 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 it looks so like whimsical and like just shuffling down <laughs> there is something like a uh, supernatural about the way she can just chase <laughs> Yeah, but She's uh, just there. her expression on a massive wide face, it is like a Japanese cartoon. It's yeah. so good. So beautiful. Yeah. And uh, it's just fucking Del Toro's vision, I think, throughout the whole thing. We've seen him doing it, Pan's Labyrinth and all that bollocks. And uh, it's just fucking amazing. And uh, Jangly Man, creepy as fuck, just chucking his bits down a fucking chimney and those floppy arms, which is the CGI bit, but when it all comes together and it's uh, Troy James, I think I yeah. can do it. He had a, I was reading that, he had a suit where the head was on upside down so that when he was on his back doing the crawling, the face was the right way up, so it looked like a head was, the face was vertically the right way up coming at you. And he had to be yeah. naked in the suit, he couldn't wear clothes in there. Be just naked with his suit on him. Lovely. That's why he's the I, I think, I, yeah, I think you've got to give it. I think you've got to give it like you've got to give it a star. Yeah, it's a star and a half. I give it a star and a half. out of two. Out of two. Next up, I think is the performance. Well, you weren't a fan of the kids, right? Um, I thought the monsters were better. I watched it more for because it was because it was produced by Del Toro, and I like how he does his monsters in like Pan's Labyrinth, Hellboy, uh, Mimic, those kind of things. 
Yeah. So I was more concentrating on looking at them rather than looking at children acting. <laughs> I thought the kids did. I thought they did a good job. I'm always worried when it's a like a young teen horror. Kids can't always act well, especially in horror. Correct. And uh, teens can sometimes be awkward. You might say, but I think they did a pretty good job. Uh, they were kind of not as good as, but like a bit like the cast of It, the latest version with those teenagers, but set in the sixties rather than the eighties. It had a lot of a similar feel to me as as It, with different types of uh, like the book was it in this film. Do you know what I mean? It could manifest in different ways and fuck you up. Uh, and the kids yeah, did pretty good. On. So, and I, yeah, I kept thinking about the, the kids were similar in uh, their professionalism. The decent professional actors they did it better than a lot of uh, seasoned actors, older actors can do. <laughs> I think, especially uh, sometimes in the horror genre, you get a bit of uh, hamming it up. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, they played. They played a nice little. They played nice little gang, like you say, like they had in it. There was that nice little gang in both the remake and the original one. And in the original one, they played it in the what was it late fifties, early sixties in the original. I think something like that. So it was the same sort of style. Yeah. But yeah, it's the same little gang of losers going up against a, a fucking dickhead jock. And then, oh, supernatural shit happens. And then, fuck you, jock. Yeah. Doesn't happen in real life, though. We can't, we couldn't do that, could we? We just have to give them the old fingers and uh, grow up and get proper jobs while they were fathering uh, six children by four different women. You seem to have done some uh, life experimentation in the analogy. <laughs> <laughs> some really, really deep research. <laughs> I, I have a theory about the, the groups of uh, people at school and as they get older, like uh, the people who are in the, the air quotes, cool crowd. They're there because they give a shit too much about what other people think, so they act in a certain way to be part of a certain group. And they think everyone else are the losers. When really, you, they just know who they are, and they know who their friends are, and they really don't give a fuck what other people think about who they are. So they're yeah. just living their life. So they're portrayed one way in films, and I don't think it's true in real life. You grow up just growing into who you are, and I think the people who are so uh, worried about their position end up spending their whole life worried about their position, and that's why they end up... Uh, Certain jobs where they can say things like, Oh, I can't get the staff, mate. Oh, yeah, you know what I mean? Oh, well, giving it large. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so what, what's quite funny is I know of a few people who were, were those people at school used to take the piss out of everyone, like proper bullies and twats. I didn't want to be at school, fucking hated it. And now they're fucking teachers. At the same fucking school that they didn't want to go to. And it's like, oh, well done, dickhead. <laughs> Can't wait to get out of this school so I can come back after my Yeah, degree. never went there. And now they're fucking teachers there. Well done. Good. Now you're trapped in your own fucking prison. What were we talking about? For your about? whole fucking life. What? Pricks. Where were we? <laughs> were we talking Sorry, about a film a... at some point? Yeah, this is a film, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, what do you want to do for performance? 
half. Okay. Fuck me. It's like a black hole. <laughs> so half a star for performance. Yeah, that makes it two. It does. Should we move right, on? Just give me a musical score and sound effects. I really thought this soundtrack was amazing. You get songs like Season of the Witch by Donovan, Quick Joey Small. They set that late 1960s Vietnam era. I, uh, That's got I... the best soundtrack. What? The Vietnam era? Vietnam. Yeah. 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 Fucking yeah. yeah. <laughs> the only good thing to happen because of the Vietnam War is the music in the films. <laughs> I gotta get out of this place. <laughs> If it's the last thing I ever do. Yeah. Animals. Um, the score is really well made itself. <laughs> it's not too over the top with the ridiculous bassy booms that some films used to make up for the lack of anything else these days. This film doesn't need it. Well written score. And, I, and the songs that were picked for the background, if you want to sing any more, you, now's your time. I've got nothing else to say. <laughs> I don't know that one. Oh, I don't know. I'm sorry. I had a little bit of a tickle in my throat then. I'd give it uh, a star for the music. A full star? Yeah. The, I it, think didn't go, s- it didn't go into the full Vietnam soundtrack. No, but it wasn't a Vietnam film. It was just setting the tone of the era. And then it had a horror soundtrack right. through the rest of it. Uh, I, yeah, I thought it was All good. right, go on then. Give it a star. Uh, I recommend... Listening to Season of the Witch by Donovan. It's a proper 60s tune. It's awesome. Anyway, we're on to number five. Star five. Oh, yeah, of course. It's the overall experience. Yep, and I've forgotten already what score we're on. Three. Three out of five. What would you? What is your gut feeling as an out of five end result for this film? My gut feeling, because I was so excited to watch the film when they heard they were doing this film, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's Del Toro who's doing another film! Brilliant, producer, great! Can't wait to watch it. It's going to be amazing." Watched it, hour and forty-seven minutes. Absolutely loved it. Beautiful. And even watching it again, beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Like, I didn't find it, like, when you have to go and watch a film again, it was fine. It's like, yes, I can't wait to watch this film again. Yeah, sometimes it is, uh, I've got to watch that film again. When am I going to fit that in? I've got to watch it with a different viewpoint this time as well because I've got to talk to Jimmy about it. and I, So I've got to take note. <laughs> notice yeah but this time i i just wanted to watch it because i wanted to watch it and it was good it is good in in my uh opinion as shit as it is i would it's gonna be a hot a take four out of five that's not gonna be a hot take it's just gonna be a, a ranking that i thought it might end up with <laughs> well it's all over old bollocks anyway isn't it yeah yeah so what uh what are you uh what are you thinking? Oh that's good. How did you do that with your voice? <laughs> I don't know. Have you got the Rona? 
I don't think so. <laughs> you got the side I up. would like to give it one star. All right, well, I'll give it a half, making it a four out of five. Four, no, uh -huh. 4.5 out of five. 4.5. 4.5 will do. It's a good film. Go and fucking watch it. Yeah, I think five out of five would be uh, too much. I think we gave something a six out of five. What, was it hereditary? And I regret it. Yeah, we have to so go now, back. Yeah, got carried away. So I'm being careful. Four out of four point five out of five, and I think that's pretty damn good. The film's pretty damn good. Just go and watch it. It's it's a fun watch. Nobody's doing anything at the moment. It's on fucking Amazon Prime. Just go and watch it. It's an hour and forty seven minutes. What else are you going to do with time? Although if you've just listened to this, you just have the whole plot ending and everything spoiled for you. But, you know. No, no, but we, nah, but we, ah, we talk bollocks, so you can't really get it. No, it's fine. Yeah. They can just go watch it again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's time for my film choice, Jimmy. Or if they always, if they drink with us, then they'll forget what we said and then they can watch it again, like I do with yeah. every one of these podcasts. Down right, it's time bit. for my. IMDB description for Jimmy to guess uh, what next week's film is. And Ooh, lovely. I'm going to take a gamble. <laughs> this is a film that was highly rated at the time by lots of critics. It only got a 6.2 on IMDB. It got like an 82%, I think, or 83 on Rotten Tomatoes. And everyone was raving about how good this film was. So the other night I thought I watched the first half and get a feel of it and see if I do it as my choice. But me, how long is it? Watch the first half. Oh, uh, well, I watched 45 minutes of it. It's, uh, it's, okay. uh, it is 111 minutes. I have to do things in bits sometimes. <laughs> anyway, I thought the first 45 minutes were shit. But I have been oh. told the second half is good. So if we have to tear out a new one, we have to tear out a new one. I did have a film as a backup in case you're chickened out, but I'm going to go for it. Because if it's bad, it's bad, and we still have a good episode. Tearing it apart, don't we? We don't have to watch good films to make a good episode. <laughs> yeah, okay. And I want to watch the second half to see if it picks up. Um, so... Also, a good episode. <laughs> well, Who are we? relatively to the rest of our other episodes. <laughs> we're we're rating a not point five out of ten, not point five, not point five out of ten, Jimmy. Are you ready for my description? Yeah. Okay. A secluded farm is struck by a strange meteorite, which has apocalyptic consequences for the family living there and possibly the world. Uh, color out of space. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> 2019. Nicholas Cage! Nicholas yeah, Cage! <laughs> Part of the reason yes, I wanted Nick to watch Cage. it. Have you seen it yet? Yeah. Does it get better? Uh, yeah, it's based on a, it's based on a HP Lovecraft story. It is, yeah. Yeah. Read the story, watched the film, fucking love them both. Okay. So the film gets better. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a slow burn. It's a slow burn. <laughs> I, I got irritated by some uh, badly done cliches in the first 40 minutes. I was like, Sammy, if something doesn't happen in five minutes, I'm not choosing it. And uh, and then I had to turn it off anyway. But 
I'm going to watch the second half. I'm glad I chose it then if you liked it. And because uh, it looked yeah. visually incredible from the, the yeah, trailer and the artwork. It's, it's in here. HP Lovecraft's Onibus. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I chose it because it was uh, Lovecraft, Nicolas Cage, the artwork and the visuals look incredible from what they show on the trailer. But the first 40 it's minutes, really... me, nothing happened. So, it's really, obviously. it's really good. I'm glad you chose it because I was going to choose it down the line. It's on my list. All oh, um, right, okay. But yeah, fuck, that's good. Yeah, Nick Cage as well. It's a fucking banging actor at the minute. I've always liked Nick Cage. I don't know why. Don't know what it is about Nick Cage. I Everyone even like loves National Nick Cage. Treasure. Wait, he's not from England, is he? I said I even like National Treasure. The the. Oh, I thought you said. Uh, I thought you said. Oh, he's our national treasure. <laughs> no, no. Claimed Dickhead. him. Just like Cheers. we claimed that Australian singer. What's her name? Kylie. That's the one. Kylie Minogue. <laughs> right. Racking. Yeah. So, good choice. Thank you. I don't think so Racking. yet, but we'll see. <laughs> ah, good. I like it. Right, so scariest stories to tell in the dark got four and a half out of five stars, and we are done. Next week will be, sorry, in two weeks' time, will be Colour Out of Space with Nick Cage. So don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcast app, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcasts. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and email us your requests, views, opinions, crazy ramblings, personal horror stories. Tell us about the zombie film that has penises falling off at the madassepodcastoutlook.com. Next person to email in wins the game. Jimmy and myself will see you in a fortnight for our next episode on Colour Out of Space. Yeah, play! I can't do it anymore, Jimmy. I lost it. Bye! No, I'll practice. Yeah. I'll practice. <laughs> Yeah, my uh, uh, my votes are gone.